Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Welcome to another episode of Fixing Your Kanban. I am professional Kanban trainer, Ryan Ripley. That's PK Todd Miller and Dan Kanban Man Vacanti. <laughs> Dan Kanban. Oh, <laughs> Todd's picking the fight early. Oh, look who's on top this time, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you look so little, too. The camera's like far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. All right, guys. Can we, have, we talk about whip limits, please? We have a real topic yep. today. I um, and We actually, we get this one a lot, too. This is one of those common questions. Um, I think it's important. How to determine whip limits? It's a big question. It's really, I mean, a lot of this is going to be based on how you're um, your workflow is designed, right? Because that's going to play into it, whether or not you have a lot of different columns and breakouts and where you're starting and your, your entry and exit points and all that. But at a higher level, teams, I think, struggle to figure out, well, if I have eight developers, should we have a whip limit of eight in process? Or, you know, I think that's the kind of stuff that teams are struggling with. You know, the guidance I've always given, and then I'd love to see what Todd and Dan have to say about this is when you're starting out, if you have eight devs, don't have any, don't have more than four things in process at once. And I like that because it forces teams to work. They have to work together. There's going to be multiple people touching the, the work. And as a, as a beginning piece of guidance, it's worked out okay, but I'm curious, am I leading teams astray? Is this a decent piece of advice or, and how would you guys approach it? I think Todd, since you're the top square, I think you need to start, start this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Sure. I could just talk about my experiences. My experiences are that if you are too, um, if a team decides to, to limit uh, whip too much out of the gate, that they tend not to obey the whip limit. So the, what, what I will do with teams that are working is, is, is um, try to make it so that they understand the concept of work in progress and that they don't, uh, that they have a chance of not exceeding it. Because to me, this is one of the hardest things for team to understand is, is why um, controlling WIP is good for them and how they can do it successfully 
And so I hate to say that, you know, 1.73 times the number of people that are working on the team, like you could read in all the blog articles out there, because I think that it really is based off of, off of the team that you're working with. And I am just looking for them to be successful in limiting it. Right. You know, Todd, you just, you just reminded me, we just did a class recently, uh, a PSK, a professional scrum with Kanban course. And so we got this question and I think we went down a good line here. Um, because we actually said you already have whip limits. You just haven't made them explicit. So make them explicit first, kind of to your point, Todd. Let's just see what they are, and then we'll see if we need to tweak them. But I think just making them explicit because they already exist, right? We already have that, and then uh, and then going forward. So if people are out there wondering, well, what, 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 what should our whip limit be? You've already set that. Just make it explicit, and then I think Dan's going to clean this all up. <laughs> and there's a lot to clean up. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> let's. So for, for, first things first. I think the the one thing that we need to get out the way is you have the, you you not you and Ryan and Todd, but you the global you um, have several options for for how you go about controlling work in progress. Don't let anyone tell you that you have to have a work in progress limit on every single column on your board. That's just one option. You've got so many other options. You could have one global work in progress limit across the whole board. You could group multiple columns together and have a work in progress limit for that, that column. You could have um, a policy like Ryan was saying that you know maybe we, we only want you know one, one work in progress limit per two people, whatever you've got. There's just so many options out there. Um, so the first step is, I think, as was being suggested here is, you know, just decide what that is and, and make it explicit. The, the reason this topic is so hard, and we were talking about this before we, we came on air here, um, is that there, there's no, there's, there's no right answer. There's no, there's actually, there's no really, really good answer in terms of how to, you know, what is the right way to, to limit work in progress or, or to control work in progress. It's, it's one of the reasons why, and I think we've talked about this on several several videos, that I anymore, I suggest when you're starting out with Kanban, for, almost forget about those work in progress. Almost. I mean, certainly make them explicit, like what, what, you, what you were saying. But the thing that I would pay attention to most is the aging of items. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, because if you're looking at aging, you can kind of back into what your work in progress limit should be. You know, and it's it's one of the questions that I you know I love to ask in my trainings is, you know, if we realize that that letting items age unnecessarily or arbitrarily, if if we recognize that that's bad, well then we need to talk about well how do we prevent items from aging unnecessarily? Well, you've got two real good options. The first one is to and there, there's a dog. That's Britta. <laughs> yeah. the The first option to prevent something from aging is to finish it. Just get it done. Um, the, the second, even better, much, much better option to prevent something from aging is to not start it when you don't have capacity, right? Both of those things, guess what? If you're finishing stuff that you've started or you're not even starting stuff, both of those are strategies for controlling WIP. Yep. That's, and that's honestly how I, how, I, how I talk to teams about it anymore. So what, what I'm interested, Dan, is your, is your view. So um, teams that, oh, so let's see, say, I, I really like your advice there. Maybe maybe let's just start paying attention to work automation before we enter the, the whip conversation. So let's say that we're past that, we're entering the whip conversation. What's like, what's, what are some good indicators? What's something that we can look at uh, that is going to tell us, are we in a good place? Should we reduce our whip? Should we increase it? Like what, what are some, what's something that we can look at or what's some good indicators for that? 
Yeah, just I mean, I, I know I know you you know the answer to this, and I yeah, know I'm, set, I'm set me up, you. So thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. uh, it's trying to make look, you look good for yeah. once. I mean, <laughs> come on here and blow it every time. <laughs> um, the, the thing the thing you're looking at is flow. That's what you're looking at. I mean, do I have columns on my board that are always empty? Do I have columns on my board that are always overloaded? Do I have people on my team that are constantly complaining because they're overloaded? Right. It's it's those those are the hints you know, that you, you, you need to now recognize that maybe we don't have something quite right here mm -hmm. because flow isn't happening as optimally as it should. Yeah, awesome. Cool. I know, Todd, I, 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 did you have an answer in the back of your mind too that you wanted to? No, I think, I mean, one of the things that we talk about is that we have to continuously improve, right? And so whatever mechanisms that we're using to figure out how, whatever explicit policies we have that say when we're going to continuously improve, I think that this is a great topic for that. Right. This is a great topic to understand how we are controlling WIP. Uh, what are our WIP limits? Um, how where those sit on our board? Like you said, Dan, it doesn't. You can you don't have to have them for every column. Heck, you can have them for the whole board. Um, but how how is that operating? Do we have flow? This is all really great conversations to 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 consider when you're we're talking about how we're continuously improving. Right. I also like the practical um, idea of using item aging to back into it. Right, it gives teams some direction. So start because I, I you know, I, I know you guys agree. I think item aging is one of the most important metrics you can measure, and then you can use. So first, just do that. And there's some videos uh, that we've already done on item aging. Watch those two or three times. Check them out. Make sure you get that right in your head, and then back into whip limits. Uh, but it's just a good practical tip, and it actually gives you a means to see does aging change based off of the policies we put in place, and if aging goes down. Well, you know, you're doing something that could be good, right? Cool. I like it. Guys, I think it's end screen time. End screen. End screen. Boom. Be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of these videos. You don't want to miss Todd and Dan going at it each and every week on fixing your combo. <laughs> um, Should call this fixing your Dan. Fixing your Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, it's the end screen. Like and subscribe. Right. Check out the socials. Look at the videos below. I'm going to go break up a fight. You all go out and improve your Kanban systems, and we will see you next time. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening, and Scrum on. <laughs>